Today is the last Sunday of Advent. It took all four weeks to get here, but the lectionary finally gives us a story from Jesus' birth. Today's gospel passage is the much-beloved story of the Annunciation to Mary. And it's easy to see why it is beloved. We have an angel, a young girl, an announcement of something new and completely different that God is doing. Perplexity, assurance, and finally, and most beloved of all, the faithful response. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And because this story is so beloved, it's one of the most frequent subjects of biblical art. Virtually all of the great masters of the Middle Age and Renaissance have a painting of the Annunciation in their portfolio. In most of these paintings, Mary is depicted as demure, humble, pure with purity. I mean, pale with purity and submissive. She's often depicted looking up from a prayer book or raising a hand toward her heart. Perhaps because of this and years of Christmas pageants with sweet little girls playing the role of Mary, we've come to romanticize this whole encounter. Luke's account challenges us to look at it with fresh eyes. It challenges us to take a step back and look at what God was asking of this young woman and what it meant for her to come to a place where she could say, let it be with me according to your word. To begin with, there is fear in this moment. Encountering God or God's messengers is always a little scary. And it must have shown on Mary's face because as soon as the angel Gabriel says, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. He immediately follows up with, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. And then Gabriel tells her of God's grand plan. She will conceive and bear a son, and she will name him Jesus. He will be great and will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. But you can almost feel Mary gets stuck at the beginning of this proclamation. She hears, you will conceive in your womb, and she fixates there. Just like we tend to do, she stops taking in anything new after that first big incomprehensible statement. She is so stunned by the bomb that's been dropped that her mind begins racing. Mary doesn't hear any of the great stuff that follows because she is too focused on the implications of being pregnant. So, as soon as Gabriel gives her an opening, she asks, how can this be since I am a virgin? And while Gabriel explains, she's thinking, how can I have a child without a husband? What will my fiancé, my parents, the people in my village think? What will they say? I had a whole other plan for my life. I've been looking at bridal magazines and tasting wedding cakes and viewing reception halls. This is not what I signed up for. Will Joseph even stick around? Am I strong enough to do this? Will this thing bless my life or destroy it? All of this goes through Mary's mind as Gabriel speaks. 
But she does come back in time to hear him say that her cousin Elizabeth, who is old and thought to be barren, is six months pregnant. And Gabriel concludes by saying, for nothing will be impossible with God. Elizabeth is pregnant, and God says he has a plan. All Mary really has is her unreasonable willingness to believe that the God who has chosen her will be part of whatever happens next. And so, with very little time to process, Mary chooses to faithfully step forward and say, let it be with me according to your word. In this moment, Mary enters the great line of God's people who have received a call from God that changes their lives forever. Abraham, Noah, Moses, Jonah, Isaiah, just to name a few of the more famous ones. All of them had to choose to answer God's call. They want to say yes, but they are afraid. They are afraid of the turmoil that saying yes will bring to their lives. They can't see the whole path to the finish line, and they worry that God might leave them hanging out to dry somewhere short of it. They have a vision for their life, and God has come in and played fruit basket turnover with it. Like Mary, each of them wondered, Will this thing bless me or destroy me? We often talk about our freedom to choose, how it's up to each of us to choose our own lives. But more often than not, our lives seem to choose us. Our best laid plans are interrupted by life's plans for us a sudden illness, a job opportunity in a new area, aging parents, beautiful grandbabies, a pandemic. Terrible things happen and wonderful things happen, but seldom do we know ahead of time exactly what will happen. Like Mary, we want to make sense out of what makes no sense. How can this be, we ask. Like Mary, our choice often boils down to yes or no. Yes, I will live this life that is being held out to me, or no, I will not. Yes, I will engage this unexpected turn of events, or no, I will not. If we choose to say no, we begin to avoid God. We go back to whatever we were doing before he broke into our life, and we try and pretend that nothing has happened. If our life begins to change anyway, we have options. We can be stoic. We can refuse to accept it. We can put all our energy into ignoring it and insist in spite of all evidence to the contrary that it is not happening to us. If this doesn't work, we can become angry, actively defending ourselves against the unknown and spending all of our time and energy trying to corral our life back to what it used to be 
And then, of course, we can become bitter, comparing our life to everyone else whose lives seem more agreeable than ours and lamenting our unhappy fate. The irony is that in saying no to what our life has become, we can make ourselves even more unhappy and isolated. Or we can decide to say yes. We can decide to take part in a plan we did not choose, doing things we do not know how to do for reasons we do not fully understand. We can decide to allow ourselves to be chosen for a life we did not necessarily intend to lead. We can decide that this call on our life will be a blessing and we will receive it as the gift that it is. Deciding to say yes does not mean that we are not afraid. It just means that we will not let our fear keep us locked up in our room. It is to trust that God knows what God is doing, even if we don't. Some of us will still say no. But for those who say yes to God, his promise to be with us makes all the difference in the world. Notice how Mary's response was, let it be with me, not to me. Her response indicates her willingness to partner with God in this unexpected change in her life. God has and will call each of us into a role in his greater plan. Some of these calls we will receive joyfully and with great hope. And some of these calls we will receive with grieving and trepidation. It is in how we enter the circumstance in which we find ourselves that we tell God yes or no. We should remember that there are two stories here. There is Mary's story, though her story affects many other lives. And there is God's story. Mary's story is intimate and specific. God's story is global and eternal. In the end, Mary faithfully consents to join her story to the great story God is telling. Through Mary's obedient faith, Christ comes into the world. He comes into the world again and again through faithful Christians who are brave enough to consent to join their story with God's story. Greetings, favored ones. The Lord be with you. Do not be afraid. For nothing will be impossible with God. Amen. <laughs>